everyone and welcome to the next episode of Home of Houseplants, the podcast. Today I have a really interesting guest whose name is still Steve, I should say, Steve Falcioni from Organic Crop Protectants. Steve, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Steve, you are uh, my first guest who can really just give us some insight into the world of how to deal with common houseplant problems in terms of, um, I'm going to refer to them here as insecticides or fungicides, um, in terms of the product range Organic Crop Protectants has on the market. Can you tell us a little bit about what products you have on offer? And then I was hoping to pick your brain about a few common problems. Yeah, sure. So we do a range of certified organic insecticides, fungicides, as well as like fertilizers and things to improve the soil. So it's kind of like virtually there's there's something there for whatever problem a person encounters, but within the organic realm. So things that are nice and safe, not going to harm the user, not going to harm the environment. So that, that's what I like anyway. That's obviously I'm a little bit biased, yes. but I'm definitely into organics. Steve, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm in obviously in front of my computer and I'm on the website ecoorganicgarden.com.au. Is that where we can That's find the some one. of the things we're discussing today? So I'm going to click on there as yeah, I speak definitely. to you. And I'm seeing already yeah. some familiar products that I see constantly posted on Facebook groups, Instagram pages in terms of Neem. Eco Neem is immediately jumping out to me. Um, a product range that looks very familiar. Uh, without a doubt, Econeme is incredibly popular for indoor plant lovers, um, and that's primarily because it deals with fungus snaps. So I, I'd see when you know you look on social media, that's probably the number one problem that people have when starting off with indoor plants, and that's that tiny, tiny little critter that flitters around in amongst the, the potting mix and annoys the, the bejesus out of everybody. Um, and Econeme is the one to use for that. Without a doubt. So what is Econeme? I'm just fascinated to know. We're obviously not going to go into the biochemistry of the product, but what is it and how is it safe? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, for listeners who may not have heard of the, the word neem before, it's actually a tree and it's native to India. And that tree, when you take the seed and you crush it, you extract an oil. And within the oil are lots of compounds that will naturally kill insects. So it's quite an organic um, origin product. What we do is we, we actually remove the insecticidal molecules out of the oil so it becomes more concentrated. We mix it with some other plant oils that give it an extended shelf life. And then voila, you, you know, you can go to the shop and pick up a bottle of Econeme, which you dilute in water. And for the fungus gnats, you actually drench it into the soil. Oh, wow. Because so that's for, where they, they yeah. live in the soil. The eggs, is well, that right? Or well, well, yeah, well, the fungus gnat, um, like, you know, all insects, there's different stages of their life cycle. And the juvenile stage with this insect lives in the soil. It's it's a little tiny grub that's clear or sort of off-white. Um, most people won't ever notice it because it's pretty small. And the, the juvenile, this little grub, it's feeding on the roots of the plant as well as other organic matter. So when you drench the econeme into the soil, it'll kill the grub. Steve. And that's how you break the life cycle. So that's how you do it. It's almost like head lice. That's what's jumping to mind at the moment, breaking this life cycle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, you can see I'm a mother with three young kids. So, yeah, the life cycle that's going to get to the eggs and deal with the, what do they call them? Um, there's another name for the eggs, but we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. eco name, um, how long does it last for once you do an application? So, you, you've got your pot, you've potted it up, and then you're seeing these annoying little bugs flying about. You run out, you head out, buy some of this stuff, and treat it. How long does it last? Or you've broken a cycle? Yeah, so. So the eco-neem solution itself does break down quite rapidly. So there's no persistence in the environment, which makes it nice from an eco-friendly perspective. Uh, in regards to controlling the fungus snout, you, when you drench through, assuming that you drench thoroughly, you will kill them all. But of course, there are still the adults flying around in the air right. and they may lay some, some new eggs. So you might have to drench a couple of times to fully break the life cycle. So the, the good news is the adult gnats don't live very long. They only live a couple of days. So it's not like you have to outsmart them for weeks and weeks. Right. It really is just you know, one, or two, one or two drenches and you should notice the numbers drop right away. So uh, sometimes you know, people who have persistent problems, you, to me it's usually an indication that they're keeping their pots probably too wet. Okay because this particular pest loves really moist conditions. Okay. So if you can try and keep the plants on the drier side, don't let water accumulate in the sources and things like that, that will also help um, you know, win the war against the gnats. That's really interesting. The, the Econeem product, um, you've had, have you, has it been on the market for a while or is it relatively new? Yeah. Um, well, look, We've uh, been quite a small business, so for many people, they might go, oh, I've never known that was around before, even though we've sold it for oh, 10 years. Okay. Um, it's certainly so, rising popularity. So some people, it will be new in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. In the last couple of years, sales have really gone through the roof. Um, and that's a mixture of more and more people doing indoor plants, but also more people interested in looking at safe organic options, sort See? of a, a double-headed attack. Is there much to the, the, I don't know if this is an urban myth, but it does make sense to me. You, you repeatedly see uh, discussion threads on Facebook groups and social media about, you know, I didn't have it before I bought this new bag of potting mix from this nursery or this, this particular brand of potting mix is renowned to, you know, mm. cause this problem because it's obviously in the bags of potting mix or the eggs from these gnats are in the potting mix. Do you, is that an urban myth? I mean, obviously the eggs are coming from somewhere um, and, and do uh, companies screen their potting mixes for this or treat it? Do you know much about that side of the supply chain in the indoor so, plant? So, yeah, look. When potting mixes are made, they are they're made from essentially organic matter that gets composted down. So in the composting process, there's quite a lot of heat involved, and so that will kill um, pests, but as well as any diseases and things that might be in it. So you end up with a, a finished product that is free from weed seed, pests, and diseases. Right. So that's what happens when it when it's made properly. Uh, and comes out of the, you know, the factory door at, at the business that makes potting mix. Now, when you pick it up from the shop, there's a lot of time that's happened between that and it can depend on how it was stored. Sometimes bags of potting mixes might be outdoors at a, at a nursery or hardware store. They might get rained on. They might be indoors where you know, when the plants get watered, water runs along and maybe pools a little bit at the base. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can have conditions which are right for fungal gnats to live um, and potting mix bags aren't sealed. 
there are lots of little holes in them quite intentionally. And so it is possible that a fungus gnat could get in and lay some eggs. So, yes, the the stories of someone buying a bag of potting mix and they open it and a whole bunch of fungus gnats flies out, that is definitely possible. I'm a little bit wary, though, to point the finger at any particular brand and say that it's uh, a certain manufacturer that's at fault. I think it's more likely what's happened after it's left the factory. Makes sense. No, Mm. thanks for your insight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. So, you know, look, look for fresh stuff that's not, not sitting around in damp conditions. Uh, and often, I find if you go to a stack of potting mix, you can kind of tell whether it's fresh or whether it's been sitting there for ages. You'll see there's fungus gnats flying around. Not always, but often. Yes, so and faded, probably faded, before you choose one. faded printing on the um, package probably indicates it's been in yeah, the, yeah, yeah. there for a long time. Yeah. Steve, I'm looking yeah. now again on that, that website page. What's an, the next popular or another relevant product in that range for people who are growing indoor plants? Is it eco oil? Um, okay. Is that something I say regularly? Eco, yes. yes. So, so eco oil is definitely useful. So it's a, another organic insecticide. And for indoor plants, its common use would be for controlling scale. Um, oh. So scale of those little insects that, that attack the plants and Often people don't even realise they've got them because they just see these little spots or bumps mm. and don't realise that that's an insect because they're not moving. Okay. Uh, but they might complain that they've got stickiness on the plants yep. or they might see a build-up of a thing called sooty mould. Okay. I don't know if you've come across that yet with any of your plants. but have, um, yes. Where you get a black or a dark grey, uh, it looks like soot but it's actually a fungus um, that builds up on the leaves and branches. And what that is, is when you have scale feeding on the plants, they produce waste, and the waste is a sugary, sticky substance that drops onto the lower leaves and branches, and uh, the mould is feeding off the sugars in that waste. Wow. So to get rid of it, yeah. If the plant was outdoors, you would commonly see ants as well running up and down the plant because the ants are feeding on this sugary substance also. So eco oil, how do we... an indoor plant. Yes, how do we use it indoors? Yes, again, um, well, actually, you could get it as a ready-to-use product, so it's already been mixed up, or you can buy it as a concentrate and you dilute it at home. But either way, you spray it thoroughly over the plant and the oil needs to coat the scale and smother it. So that, that's how it kills. Uh, with scale, some are, some are easy to kill, some are a little bit harder. Yep. So usually I'd recommend doing a couple of sprays to sort of be quite thorough okay. and get on top of it. Mealybugs. Hmm. Mealybug. Oh, yeah, we've got all the good ones coming out oh, today, haven't well, we? That's a, <laughs> and then I'm moving on to spider bite, just giving you a, a spider bite. Spider mite as the, as the next one, but they're the bane of my existence. Mealybugs and spider mite help. <laughs> All right. So for both of those uh, pests, you could spray with eco oil or eco neem. So both will control the pests. But, and this is my little caveat, you need to be very thorough when you're spraying. Because eco oil and eco neem are contact sprays. So the solution needs to reach where the pest is feeding. If you only sort of half spray the plant, then you're only going to get mixed results. Right. Really, yeah. With mites, with mites and mealybugs, because they're great at hiding in cracks and crevices, you do have to be, you know, take that time to be extra thorough when you're spraying. I'm to all, make I'm, sure you get everywhere. 
Yeah, you almost have to lift and the plant out off the shelf and then really do a 360 and underneath the leaves and down every underneath. sort of stem and into the where it connects to the main stem. The leaf stem connects to the main stem. It is, you're you right. You really, really need to, yeah, and then do a follow-up spray. So, um, and again, that's just to make sure any bits you might have missed, um, you're getting them. So, yeah, controlling those pests, is, is not necessarily easy. That's why you do need to be quite thorough. I would quarantine any plants that you know have got it on it mm. and I would watch it very, very closely any other plants because there is an incredibly high chance that the pests will have spread to the other plants even if you can't see them yet. The mealy, we should sort of give a word picture of a, a, a mealy bug because we've done that for the others. A mealy bug, I would describe it as a furry little fellow. <laughs> that <laughs> almost looks like a little yeah. puff of fluff on your leaf that's only a couple of millimetres long. Um, and, um, yeah, is that how you describe a mealybug? Yeah, so a mealybug, you're right. So, you know, two, three millimetres in size, oval in shape. The body itself is actually a grey colour, but they produce a, a white meal or fluff on the outside. So at first glance, they look white. Uh, they tend to like protected positions. So on the underside of leaves, in cracks and crevices, like we mentioned, mm. you don't often see them just exposed on the top of a leaf. Occasionally you do, but usually not. Uh, and where there's one, there's more. Um, you may also see some white fluff that looks a little bit like um, uh, fairy floss, yep. little little small bits or, or cotton buds, and they'll be um, the masses of eggs that get laid in that kind of cluster. Okay. Uh, so if you've got that, that's another sign of mealybugs on their way. Mm. And spider, and spider mites. Thorough spraying. Yeah, spider mites I would describe almost as if you had a sharp, sharp lead pencil and you did a little dot on a piece of paper, but they're a maroon, bronzy, brownie colour and um, they just seem to suck the, 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 the vigour out of the leaves. But is that a fair description? <laughs> Yeah, so, so mites are technically not insects. They right. belong to the spider family. Uh, and so if you look under a microscope, they look a bit like a spider, you know. Okay. Uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Spider mites are about maybe a millimetre or so in size. Mm. So if you've got good eyes, you can spot them. If your eyes are a little bit ordinary, then you'll have trouble seeing them. Uh, on the underside of leaves is, is one of their favourite places to hang out and they'll bite into the cells in the leaf and suck out the goodness. So what's the, the damage that you'll see starts to be a little bit of speckling on the leaf mm. where it's losing its greenness in little spots here and there everywhere. But if untreated and you, the mite numbers increase, that speckling will grow and grow until you know almost the entire leaf has lost its greenness. Yeah. And you'll usually see... If, when they're that bad, you'll see a very fine spider webbing material appearing over the leaves and, and stems. And then so you're in real trouble, I guess. That's spider mite. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes called two-spotted mites because okay. when you look under a microscope, you can see their bodies are sort of like a, an amber colour, mm. but they have two darker spots in the body, so hence two-spotted mite. Uh, and in cold weather, sometimes they can take off on a reddish sort of hue. So some people call them red spider mite. Wow. Wow, that's mm. fascinating. Yes, I had that little eye. So eco oil for those two, for spider mite or, and bugs. Or eco neem. Okay. Both products will control those pests, yeah. Um, but 
I have some other options for controlling those pests that don't involve sprays, okay. and that's using using beneficial insects. How far? Uh, so I uh, have uh, all yeah. placed my order for these. I'm really excited to learn more, and I haven't. I only placed it late last week, Steve, but I will be receiving these little insects sometime this week. But yeah, tell us about this because we've got a lot of interest in these bugs that help eat other bugs. Yeah, so we've got the concept of. Um, Insects eating other insects. So, uh, where you've got lady beetles that eat aphids, for example. So most most people will be aware of that. But there are lots of other insects that eat pests that are less known but incredibly effective. So we've got a range called the backyard buddies, yeah. and that includes some of these guys. So for mealybugs, there's this particular type of lady beetle that loves mealybug. Now, its scientific name is a cryptolemus. Um, that's a bit of a mouthful for most people, so yeah. we just call her Linda. Yes. Linda the lady beetle. And um, people, yeah, people can order Lindas, and what will come are the juvenile stages of this beetle, and they actually look a bit like a mealybug on steroids. Yeah, they so do. I'm looking at the image on your website, yeah. Yeah, they're about a centimetre long, so much bigger than a mealybug, and they will hunt down and eat them. They just love them. So when the parcel um, arrives, so if you that, order Linda, just just you know, steal yourself to when you open the package to realise that you haven't been shipped more mealybugs. These are these are the predators. They just appear in the juvenile form, um, similar yeah. in appearance to a mealybug. Well, and it's it's great camouflage because they can be in amongst the mealybugs, feeding on them, yeah. and ants, which would normally protect mealybug, uh, don't realise that there's a predator in amongst them. So that's why they they look like that. Yeah, and uh, then for the mites problem, the two-spotted mite, there is another mite. Um, it's a predatory mite called Persimilis, right. and we call him Pete, again, because it's easier to say Pete than Persimilis. Yes. Um, and you can order him in. He arrives as a mixture of adults and juveniles, and he's a, sort of like a, a salmony orangey colour, very small, again, about a millimetre in size, and you can spread him all over the plants that are being attacked, and he'll hunt down and eat the mites. Really ferocious feeder. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Now, I've actually used Pete a couple of times on my indoor plants because yep. I've got about 60 or so, so getting a little bit out of hand. Yes. Um, and and a couple of times I've brought a plant in which, unbeknownst to me, had um, two-spotted mite on it, mm -hmm. and then that spread through my plants. And rather than take plants outside to spray, I just brought in a whole bunch of peats, released them, and they just went through and cleaned up everything. So, Steve, a couple really, of questions. Really, really easy. So, a couple hmm. of questions. How, so when the tube arrives, Michael, and this is timely for myself in particular, do I empty out the tube just on one of my plants or do I sprinkle the contents on a couple of plants that are sort of a little distance from each other to get the best results? Well, what do I do when we when, when the tube arrives? Yeah, so, so that tube will be mixed with some vermiculite or some rice hulls as well as about a thousand of the peats. And basically all you do is you just shake it around the plants to sort of spread the mix out. It's best to spread it everywhere. I wouldn't just do it on one plant because there's more than enough peats to be able to spread it around. 
And like I said before, if you've got uh, spider mite on one plant, there's a very high chance that you've got it on, on others. So you, you're best to spread peat everywhere to make sure you spread that protection. Okay, so my next question is, particularly for indoor plants, if you've got your collection in your lounge room and you get some heats in or, or lindas in, what happens? They've done their job. Do we then create a secondary problem by having peats take over our indoor plants or, or, or do peats just naturally die away because <laughs> there's no food supply anymore? Yes, so the, yeah, when, when peat runs out of food, what will happen is um, his numbers will naturally start dying off or he'll start eating his, his other peats. Like they'll start cannibalising each other wow. in search for food. Gee, tough so life for eventually, yeah. he, I know, I know, but, but all in all, they'll just disappear. So I've had to release peat in my house twice over you know the last few years, and I'm not overrun with peats. Um, I never see them anymore; they're okay. all gone. So sort of, it's a bit of a selfish relationship, about. isn't it? Poor peats. We we bring peat into help, and then he's just you know left to die out. But oh, wow, this is a fantastic option for people who don't like to spray at all, or or just. Mm. <laughs> who don't want to it's a bit of an effort you've got to you know take a few precautions you've got to perhaps take them out to a balcony or to the backyard and you know it's a devote an hour or so to doing it properly in particular as you said how we have to hunt down every nook and cranny but um this is a really great alternative options steve it's pretty cool it it really is but I, i would sort of add one little thing to say nothing um Nothing is better than actually really checking your plants before you bring them into your collection. Okay. So whenever, whenever someone's getting a new plant, to really thoroughly look it over before you take it home and then you know, you minimise the introduction of new problems that way. That's a very timely point. Um, I just wanted to point out to people, if you are looking to order, there's, there's about five or six in the range Backyard Buddies mm. is the tab that you need to click on, and but but you access that through ecoorganicgarden.com.au and then there's probably another screen you go through first, but they're called Backyard Buddies. I'm sure if you type that into the search function, Steve, you'd, that'd pop up for you. Yeah, they should do. Eco Organic Garden Backyard Buddies and um, you'll bring up the, the range there and you can click through and read about them and see if, if you know, they're right for you or not. Uh, but that probably covers off the main indoor plant pest problems that I can think of. The other, the other one um, is disease issues, okay. and that's yeah. People, people will sometimes talk about getting powdery mildew on their plants, depending right. on what they're growing, yep. and that will be sort of like a a white or a pale grey dusting or coating that spreads across the leaves, okay. and it's a fungal issue which can be controlled by using a product called eco-fungicide. Okay, begonia is particularly susceptible to, well, that's been my experience. I I get that problem continuously with my begonias. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very, very common on begonias, um, unfortunately. But um, the eco-fungicide, like the other products, certified organic and nice and safe, no gloves or masks or anything are needed to use it. Spray thoroughly over the plant and it will attack the fungal disease there and, and knock it out. Now, if you do have a plant that is particularly vulnerable, uh, like a begonia, then don't be surprised if it comes back. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, so that, that, that disease is a very, very common disease. So there are fungal spores that float around in the air 
all the time. Mm. And if conditions are right for the spores to be able to germinate and the plant is naturally vulnerable, then it will come back. Okay, so, so stay, um, stay alert. Think about... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And think about other things like, um, can I improve the growing conditions of the plant, like, say, airflow around it? Um, does it need more light or less light? Does it need better watering? You know, some of those other tricks can be things that you can focus on to improve the general health of the plant and make it stronger and more resistant to the problem in the first place. Okay, that's that's really good to know. Um, what do we do about potting mix? Um, and I have occasionally a problem where perhaps I've let a plant sit in a pot too long because life is busy and, you know, you have a lot of other things to do. But <laughs> I find the water either runs completely through and, and then perhaps when I am repotting it and I've just watered it, it's bone dry in, in you know, two-thirds of the root core. Yes. So potting mixes are man-made substances uh, and they they involve usually a lot of pine bark material that's composted down and as the potting mix ages, further decom decomposition occurs. So you'll get slumping. You know, you, when you first potted up the plant, the soil was maybe a centimetre from the, the top of the yeah. pot, but you look at it a year later and the soil has shrunk down a, a few more centimetres. And that's the potting mix just continuing to decompose okay. and compact. Now, as it does that, it often will produce um, waxy coatings around the soil particle that means that when you water, the wax repels the water. So you might think that you've watered the pot thoroughly because the water runs through, but usually it's just running through the gap between the wall of the pot and the, the mix of potting mix, or sometimes through large cracks in the potting mix, rather than being truly absorbed in all, all the material. Okay. So to overcome that, we use what, what are called wetting agents. Um, okay. Now, some, some wetting agent products are, are not very eco-friendly. Mm -hmm. So we have one called Eco Hydrate, and it's 100% biodegradable, nice and kind to the planet, and, yep. you know, all the things that you'd expect from, from our range, yep. but very effective at improving the, the wetting of the soil. So basically you buy it, dilute it, and then water it thoroughly into the potting mix. Really, really repellent soil might need to be repeated or you might say do up a bucket of it and then dunk the pot in the bucket and let it percolate through thoroughly. Right, so try this. So it's not a lost cause in terms of you've seen that degradation, that the soil has slumped. It's, you don't necessarily first blush have to you know chuck it in the bin and buy a new bag. Give this a go. Um, or indeed you could rehabilitate your soil by putting, as you said, in a large bucket popping some of this in and maybe adding a, a, a bit of a top-up of new potting mix and rejuvenating it. That's another option, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, potting mixes don't last forever. Okay. Uh, and ideally, they should be redone. Like, like they should be repotted probably every couple of years. Yep. But like you said, life gets busy and um, we don't always get to it. So keep an eye on what's happening with that potting mix because once it starts to fail or develop problems, then sure enough, the plant will develop problems as well. The the other thing to keep in mind when we're talking about potting mix changes is often over time it becomes very acidic as as that mix continues to break down, okay. it usually acidifies. Okay. And whilst most plants prefer the soil to be neutral, to slightly acidic, 
once it becomes very acidic, you start to see problems occur as well. Um, availability of nutrients uh, is impacted and plant growth can you know, really start to suffer. So any potting mix, probably over a year, you should be checking the pH of the soil. How do we do that? Because there's a very good chance it's... Yeah, how oh, how to do it? Yeah. Oh, that's easy. You um, you get a pH soil testing kit. Okay. You can get that from the hardware store or the nursery. Yep. They cost about 20 bucks. Yep. Uh, and they will, they will last you forever and ever and ever. Um, but basically, well, it comes with a little plastic uh, sheet or disc that you put a bit of the soil on and there's a, um, uh, a liquid solution that you squirt into the soil stir it up so it's all mixed and then there's a powder that you squirt on top and it will go to a certain colour and there's a colour chart that you compare it to and depending on the colour it will indicate what the pH is. Wow. So it takes, um, takes 30 seconds, a minute um, to do and then you can run around and you can test all of your pot plants and you could do it every six months, maybe every 12, something like that and it will give you an idea of what's going on. If the potting mix has become quite acidic and you don't want to repot, then you could use uh, EcoFlow Lime or EcoFlow Dolomite. And those products will change the pH. They'll make it less acidic and make it move more towards the alkaline side. Wow, this is so, that's very helpful to know. You can't really set and forget with plants well you can but you they won't be at their best so what i've sort of picked up from our conversation is just keep aware keep checking particularly when you're bringing new plants into the collection really give them a good once over perhaps as you bring them out of the car by the front door and if there is a concern quarantine it and pick up one of your products i'm sure a lot of people already have it to deal with it before you bring it in and then throughout the course of the years that follow just keep an eye on the soil level in terms of the degradation and indeed as you said the the ph levels so it's it it is it it's a lovely hobby but you can't turn your back on it if you want to have a really good strong healthy plant can you it's yeah and, and look we've all seen whether it's our own or whether it's at our parents place or a friend's place that pot plant that gets completely neglected and it still keeps chugging along year after year yeah. so definitely there are some plants that are tough as and can handle complete neglect but as more people get interested in you know unusual plants those rare things and the like um, a lot of those will need or benefit from just that extra bit of care and so the things we've talked about today they're the things to do periodically and then you'll have you know a nice happy healthy collection that everyone can be envious of well Sarah, I guess you're probably well aware there's a lot of um, people who who in Australia particularly collect indoor plants but there's a, a huge number of them who invest huge sums of money into their indoor plants, particularly the rarer ones, and some of them touching mm. close to a thousand and well above a thousand dollars. So, you don't want to invest that kind of money and then neglect your plant. So, this is really helpful information to everyone, but particularly those who have a very precious collection. Um, and it's really great to, yeah. to, to know. I just had a couple of questions in terms of. I, re I don't have pets myself at the moment, but I do see a lot of people having concern about what products to use if they do have uh, particularly cats in the home. Is there any, obviously your mm -hmm. products are organic, um, but how safe are they for yeah. pets and what do we do if we have got pets in yeah. the house? So, so everything we've talked about today, perfectly safe for pets. Okay. So no, nothing, 
nothing to be worried about at all. That's a Which huge is great. Yeah, yeah, particularly I've, I've seen a lot of indoor plants damaged on Facebook by cats that go a bit crazy or um, and so forth. But obviously, you know, it's that's a fabulous bonus of these this product range. And my next question is, are these products available only online or can we pick them up in certain stores around Australia? How do we source your products? Uh, so there's both options. Definitely the uh, online website, uh, ecoorganicgarden.com.au is one option. But uh, nurseries have them as well and independent hardware stores and the hardware chains like Bunnings and uh, Mitre 10 and, and stuff like that. So they're, they're spread. Some stores will have our entire range. Some may only have one or two things. But they're definitely out there and fairly easy to get nowadays, which is great. That's fantastic. Steve, I've really learned a lot already in terms of just having an environmentally friendly option um, a lot of people are super sensitive about dealing with chemicals and maybe have sort of avoided dealing with the issue but this is a really fantastic option to deal with the problem and not freak out that you bring chemicals into the home it's fantastic yeah and, and look you can have amazing plants by looking after them organically. You don't need to resort to some heavy-duty chemicals. So, you know, we've got options there, uh, which I'm quite proud of. It's, it's exciting to be able to get people to have great-looking plants but without any nasty products. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining me this morning. I've um, seen Eco Neem pop up and Eco Oil repeatedly, and I must admit I haven't turned my mind to delve deeper and now I've got the answers in terms of what it treats and um, it's obviously self-explanatory on the packet itself and um, you can read the label but if people have any perhaps more precise questions that we haven't covered off on today is there a way they can contact you through the website or your company through the website just to get some yeah definitely okay. yeah pop on the website um, sometimes there's live chat on the website so okay. you, know, you can type in and chat to someone straight away uh, otherwise you can send an email all these phone numbers and, and all the rest of it so easy ways to reach us Oh, excellent. Steve, thanks again. I really appreciate our chat today. It's been really enlightening. My pleasure. It's been fun. Yeah, it has. Bye, All Steve. Right. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye.